Here's the big question. What if you had to start over from scratch and build a business with limited time and resources? Maybe the economy just pulled the rug out from under you, or you're in a business that's underperforming or a career that's going nowhere. How would you flip the switch to go from where you're at to where you want to go? A profitable business that supports your family and allows you to live the life you were meant to live. My name is Jason Liu, and each week I'm going to bring you guests that are further down the road while documenting my own journey. Welcome to the business of feeling good. All right, everyone, welcome to another episode of The Business of Feeling Good. Um, I'm your host, Jason Liu, and I am super excited to dive in with our guest today, Marina Ibrahim. And she is an incredible entrepreneur. She is a self-proclaimed professional pivoter. And she actually comes from a background in not only fitness, but she actually used to work for Yahoo doing digital marketing campaigns for Fortune 500 brands. She now is the CEO of Empower Confidence. Um, she has an incredible course, an incredible following, and a pretty pretty epic journal that um, if you guys want to learn about, find out about, it is one of the most gorgeous pieces of marketing material I've seen in a long time. Um, But Marina, thank you so much for being here today and sharing your time with us. Thank you so much. That was an amazing intro. I'm going to have to use it (laughs) everywhere now. (laughs) So I want to start with this this kind of statement that you have on... um, on your site here, which says, you don't have to be an entrepreneur to build your own brand. And I know branding is really important to you. What does branding, I guess, mean? And how did that kind of come into your space and world? Yeah, it's, that's actually such a great question. Because when I started um, everything from Empowered Confidence, my whole idea of branding stemmed from um getting laid off. After I got laid off, you realize when you're working so long for a company, right, doing one thing, you lose your identity, right? You lose who you are as a brand. Um, and people don't realize every single one of us, we're a brand. Like we are a walking brand. There's, um, I use the example of if, if your friend went to a store and they find clothes um, on a rack, right? If they look at it, they will know if that is your style or not. That's your brand. That's who you are, right? So the idea of, um, you know, stemming into branding came truly from the layoff because I realized like I had no idea who I was. I had no idea what I wanted to do, what I had to offer because I was doing the same thing for the same company for so long. That's so interesting you mentioned that because I think that I experienced going through two or three different pivots in my life that I was so tied to my job title. Like that's how I identified who I was. It was my self-worth because I was either liked or disliked based on the work that I did. And to walk away from that was such a shell shock. How did you either work through that experience? And then what you mentioned, which was really interesting, which is trying to figure out who you really were without that career. How did that stem or how did that come about? Yeah. So it was, it's funny when I talk about it, it sounds like I was totally fine. And I was like, okay, I'm going to pivot and I'm quick and it's fine. But you have to obviously feel your feelings, right? I felt like it was um, an awful feeling. I was upset and I had that back against the wall feeling when you get laid off, especially, you know, I have a child, I'm getting married, all of these things that happen in your life. So with the idea of having your back against the wall, you start thinking, okay, if I'm going to go back to work, right, what is what do I want to do? 
what is my dream, right? And that's your chance of thinking like, okay, I have two options. I go after what I want to do, or I go back working for someone else. There's no right or wrong. It's whatever works for you. For me, it was identifying what it was my dream to do. And my dream was to create my own company that helped women. Like that was my dream always. And so I hit the ground running. I gave myself a timeline. I said, I need to do it. And and that's kind of how I pivoted from, you know, the layoff, figuring out who I was. You know, I took account all the things I've experienced in life and I put it together into this like word vomit of content. And I'm like, okay, I can, I can build something off of this. When we, when someone looks at brand, because it's something that I actually haven't spent a lot of time thinking through or thinking about, um, how do you teach brand in regards to if no one's, if you haven't thought it through, Do you have like a foundation of here are things to think about? Yes. So brand and branding are two different things. The Mm. brand is who you are, right? And then when you're writing your personal story or your values or your mission statement, that's actually the branding. You're starting to brand yourself, right? You're doing the action. So the first thing no matter what the brand is, whether it's a huge company or just, you know, little old me, your personal story is the biggest thing that you need to understand, right? So you will not be able to have a clear mission statement, a clear vision statement, company values, structure of what you want to offer, none of that without your personal story. And that doesn't have to be, you know, um, all like traumatizing experiences. That could be someone has worked in corporate America um, for, you know, 12 years. They went to school for X, Y, and Z. And then they just had this aha moment of, I don't want to do this anymore. I want to do something else. That's your story. That's what makes you unique. So identifying that, that's how you build the strongest brand. And for people that are maybe a bit more tentative when it comes to being vulnerable, because I think these days, I think there's a love-hate relationship with social media. There's times that we absolutely love it. And there's times where it doesn't make us feel the best. Um, Do you have any advice for people that maybe are challenged with opening up and being vulnerable when it comes to their own personal story? Yeah. So it's, it's funny you say that. Um, My current course right now, Brand Business Accelerator, there's a lot of women in there that have their profile private. They don't share a picture of themselves. They don't go on stories. They don't do anything of that. I am the total opposite. I share every little thing. I probably shared too much on my social media. So I have learned to like, you know, figure out the things that have made it easier for me. So one of the things is you have to remember that people are not going to share their deepest, darkest secrets in your comments, right? So how can you connect with the people on your social media through story? Maybe it's, you know, not pulling up your phone and taking a video. Maybe you're just taking a picture of your coffee and saying like, good morning, hope you guys have a good day or good morning. What are you doing today? Trying to engage with the people that are already following you is huge. Hmm. And you don't have to do anything more than just like post a picture to start. Maybe you ask a question, start a conversation. People will always, always respond to a DM versus commenting on your social media, Hmm. on your like hard feed. And when you're teaching this and you're having people reach out or DM someone, is there anything you have them say? 
So in terms of actually reaching out, I haven't gotten there just yet because I don't want to overwhelm anyone. I think the first thing that you want to do is post the picture. When someone DMs you, just start a conversation, right? Hey, how's it going? Let me know if there's anything I can do to help you. Oh, I noticed you're from X, Y, and Z. How is it going over there? You know, like if they're, if they have kids and that is of interest of you, it's like, oh, your kids are so cute. Something very lighthearted. Imagine you meet someone at the mall and you're, you bump, bump, into each other and just say, Hey, you know, my name is X, Y, and Z, whatever it is. So that's the first thing in terms of the introduction. When we reach out to people via DM, if this is the first conversation, I truly come from a place of service. How can I help you? Thanks for following me. Like, where did you find my page? You know, like, is there anything that I can do to offer a service? I think that's the biggest thing. People are, they're not as scary as, you know, we make them out to be. Just start a conversation. It's that simple. Smart, really smart. Let's um, let's backtrack a little bit here and kind of go back to personal story because you've had quite the interesting journey. Um, and I think it's so relatable too because we've all gone through incredible highs and then challenges as well. Um, both of your parents were immigrants, right? Mm-hmm. Yep, from Egypt. Yeah. And what? how did that kind of, how did your parents being immigrants and how did that translate into career path or owning your business now or did it? Yeah. So it's interesting. In Egypt, my mom was a science professor and my dad was an engineer. So they both were very successful and had this you know, whole life already built for them. Um, we ended up having to leave Egypt. It was just a bunch of government stuff and we were kicked out of our home and we were forced to leave, right? So we moved to the States and it's so interesting. I was I was just so young. And as a young child, you see your parents go through all of this and you're like, this is normal, right? All parents go through all this. All kids go through this. And um, as I kept getting older, you know, going from a toddler to then being in my teens, I realized that there was a lot that I had to do being a daughter of immigrant parents. There were a lot of... Um, battles I had to fight. There were, I translated everything. I share this all the time. I translated every single thing for my parents, including a cancer diagnosis for my dad when I was 13. Wow. That forces you to grow up faster. That forces you to mature and, um, you know, try to look at the bigger picture of your life. That also forces you to rebel a little bit because you're like, I'm still a child. I want to, you know, I want to be a child. Um, but it instilled this idea of like, you will not get what you want without hard work. And I saw that firsthand. I mean, I, I don't like to say I raised myself, but I was home alone all the time, you know? And it's interesting now having a four-year-old, I would never leave him alone. I, can't, I don't even want to leave him alone when he's a teenager. So, you know, as foreign, a daughter of foreign parents, like that's, that's what I did. I was always home alone because they worked so much. It's it's interesting you say that because my wife my wife's family she was the same way so she immigrated from Vietnam when she was three and they escaped through the jungle and so she was and she had two younger sisters and so she'd be left like literally left at home at like six seven like cooking for her sisters right you know like it's totally normal like it's a totally normal experience here Um, but yeah I think about it now my daughter's eight I'm like I would never leave her at home like to go cook a meal yeah yeah Yeah. my mom asked me today are you gonna have him go on the bus I'm like no, he's four. I'm not having him go on a bus. Like, but it's so, it's such a different world, you know, even letting our kids play outside just randomly. It's so different than 
what we grew up in. And I, we're fortunate. We're fortunate to have had that experience. And, you know, my goal is that I just take the things that I learned from my parents because they gave me every single thing I could possibly ask for from the resources that they had. So if I can take that with my resources now and my knowledge now, I just imagine such a beautiful life that I, you know, build for my, my children. How has, um, how has it changed? I mean, coming from, I don't know how supportive, like being Chinese and having a family that typically it's like, you're a doctor, you're an engineer, you're a lawyer, and that's pretty much it entrepreneurship was kind of the scary route and it wasn't well supported, maybe not by my parents, but the family in, in general. Is that, was that similar for you? Did you have pushback when it came to being an entrepreneur? Yeah, it's so interesting because when my parents came here from Egypt, they started working for family members and then they eventually opened their own pizza store. And so they went from pizza store to pizza store to from restaurant to restaurant. They were entrepreneurs. This is what they did. Okay. And I remember my freshman year of college, I went to Johnson Wales University for criminal justice. I wanted to translate Arabic for the FBI. That was like my big dream. Wow. <laughs> Obviously, we pivoted so much <laughs> to get to where we are now today. But um, I remember them calling me and saying, Hey, we're pulling you out of school. You have to go into pharmacy. You will not find a job in criminal justice. And I was like, I don't want to be a pharmacist. They're like, It doesn't matter. This is what you're going to do. And I'm like, that's not how it works. Actually, I'm not going to do that. And then I pivoted to marketing. And even for them, they didn't understand what marketing was like. That's like, be a doctor, be a lawyer, be a pharmacist. Like those are your options. Why are you making this difficult? You know? And, and, um, and when I started working for Yahoo, they were so proud, so proud. And then I got laid off and I told them I was going to go on by myself. And even like, I would say, I don't know, months into it, after even doing like in-person presentations and having deals and all of that stuff, my dad will still be like, so are you going to start applying for a job? I'm like, dad, I am working. This is my job. But they don't understand that, which is so interesting. But I think it comes from being parents, right? You're just worried about your kids and you want them to have the easiest life. So for them, money and and that aspect, that means easy for you, you know? And so I think that that's all they really were trying to do is just make sure that I didn't have a hard life. But yeah, here I am, not a pharmacist, not an <laughs> FBI translator, none of that. <laughs> I can totally relate. It's the same way. It was just like, yeah. my parents were both entrepreneurs as well. And it was just like, but wh when are you going to school? Like how many master degrees are you going to get? Like, wh where's the PhD? <laughs> and it's like, you get a job at a big company. It's like, oh, she's like the best kid ever. <laughs> Yeah. I'm like, okay, I, I got laid off. Are, are you still proud of me? And they are. They're, your parents are always going to be supportive. I'm a big believer of that, but it's just so interesting watching them being entrepreneurs and having such a like difficult time understanding that I wanted to do my own thing. How does this kind of, this conversation transition to parenting now? Because you've got a four-year-old um, who's adorable, amazing, has the most beautiful eyes I've ever seen. He is, um, he's a gorgeous child and you're raising him right now in an interesting time. And I think seeing both sides of the coin a little bit coming from immigrant parents and then also now being an entrepreneur, how does that shape? Like, does it shape um, how you're raising a child right now? 
Yeah, it's um, it's different. So I was raised very, very differently. I'm I come from a very conservative family, like very conservative, very religious, and um, it was an amazing upbringing. And so now, you know, I at one point was a single mom. I was divorced. I I am my life does not portray conservative, you know. And so the idea of letting him or wanting him to do anything he wants to do is true. I do. I want him to, if he wants to be an entrepreneur, be an entrepreneur. If you want to be a YouTube star, be a YouTube star. If you want to be a doctor, do that. But I, I always still have a hard time not being um, so protective over him. And I don't know if, you know, you feel like that too. It's, it's hard because you want to shape this perfect life for them, you know, and, and this perfect life is in your head. What they want out of life might be totally different. So sometimes I do catch myself being like, you know, what do you want to do? Like, what is it that you want to do? You want to play soccer? Do you want to do gymnastics? Like, tell me what you want to do and I'll put you in it. Um, But as a parent, I think we we always go back to like, I just want, I just want a perfect life for you. I want you to be stress-free, you know? It's hard. It's hard to see them fall down and it's hard to see them, um, get tripped up in life. And, but I think that there is some grace in the fact that we survived some interesting upbringings at times (laughs) and it probably built more character. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a, it's a debate every day. Um, and it's challenging at times, I think too, in terms of balancing entrepreneurship, um, being in like this home-based office right now, we're in the middle of the pandemic. Um, how do you balance those two or do you balance these two when it comes to spending time with, your son and making sure that you've got work to do as well. It's insane. Cause I've always, I've always wanted to be a stay at home mom. I've always said that I will be home with my kid always and will play all the time. And um, when I first had him, I had about a year off. And so that was great, but he was a toddler. He was, I mean, he was a newborn. Um, now a four-year-old and I truly do not know how everybody does it. Um, especially when they are working for someone else. As an entrepreneur, I make it a point to schedule my work, my meetings, all of that around his drop-off, pickup time, bedtime, all of those come first, hands down, right? So that's kind of how I think of my schedule. Um, And then we work backwards. So I drop him off, I pick him up, we do all of those things, right? And then in between that, that's when I schedule my calls. I have no idea how people balance it when they are on calls from morning to night in this pandemic. And I know that this is such a hard time for people because of that, right? That's why all these school debates are happening and all it's stressful. It's so stressful. My biggest advice is like, you still remember, this is a very unique time that we're living in, right? And everyone, I don't believe in balance. I do not believe that there's such thing as balance. I think that when you're doing one thing, something else is going to, um, be neglected, quote unquote. Um, but can you live a, a happy life with both? Sure. You just need to remember you cannot give a hundred percent to everything. You just can't. So I, ju- yeah. I try to remind myself that all the time. It's fair. It's absolutely fair. Um, let's kind of go back to the entrepreneurship world for a second and tell me about the journal that you created because it seems like it's been such a great tool for entrepreneurs to, or people in general that are just trying to organize and get thoughts down. Yeah. So when I first created this journal, it really was a, it was a pamphlet that I was bringing to all of my in-person presentations. So um, when I started Empowered Confidence, it was all about helping women use their struggle as fuel. I'm a big believer that adversities happen. Like it's inevitable. Things will happen in your life. And 
pivoting from that and knowing how to handle it is huge, but also using that as motivation is even bigger, right? So I went to the YWCA, I went to Reebok, I did all these in-person presentations and I was giving out pamphlets, um, an area to write your story, right? To vent about what you have to offer, what makes you unique, what have you gone through, an area to hold yourself accountable. So promises to myself. I think that that is the biggest thing, you know, keeping your promises to yourself, all of that. And so I made this pamphlet and I was handing it out to all, all these, you know, different people from all different ages, all different walks of life. And I realized I could turn this into something, right? Maybe it's just something a little bit um, more professional that they can have, you know, when they leave the speaking presentation. And I created it and it came to life and it was everything that I wanted, right? I wanted a place for for women to, to go and doodle and vent and bring with them everywhere they go. And so I transformed this pamphlet literally from staples to a hardcover spiral bound journal that hundreds of women have bought, which is unbelievable for me to even say. Isn't that incredible though? Because I think so often we go into a concept or an idea thinking, I need the journal first. Like I, I want to make the thing first. And yet so often when I have a chance to meet entrepreneurs and talk about products they've created, it came from necessity almost. It came from, oh, I figured out kind of what worked and then I made it from this. Yeah. Yeah. And that actually really goes back to the branding aspect and understanding your brand as a whole. Um, You should never, you will learn a lot of lessons if you start creating something first before you really like fine tune the ideas. Right. So I'm all for messy action, but you know, one thing that I preach is if you want to work for, with brands, right. You want to get sponsors, you want to do whatever. You're not going to reach out to them and be like, Hey, what's up? I'd love to work with you. They're going to say, who are you? What do you have to offer? What do you stand for? Like, they're going to look at your Instagram page. They're going to look at your website. They're going to look at your LinkedIn, right? And if all of those things, all of those touch points do not match, they're immediately going to look away because they're going to get whiplash. My goal for creating the journal was not to provide whiplash. I just wanted to provide some sort of structure for people to use as they are writing and venting and creating goals and doing all of that stuff. And I knew that I had to start off small. So I created these pamphlets. Literally, they were like, I stapled them myself and <laughs> then it transformed into this journal. Let's talk about the the branding side because I'm so interested. You just said... Um, Brands don't want to get whiplash from looking at different, maybe social media platforms and seeing completely different messaging. Where do you start? So I know that we start from, I want to tell my unique story. I want to get into what makes me, me and what I value. How does that then translate outward towards how you show up on social? Yeah. Such a great question. First, you start with your story. You don't put anything out there. Let's just get paper and pen. Let's just pretend, right? paper and pen, you write down your story. I don't care if it's a sentence, a page, 12 pages, you write that down. Then you figure out all the ideas. What is it that you want to do? What are all the brain dumps of all the ideas that you want to do? And let's figure out what are the ones that we can focus on now, right? It could be professor, professional. Maybe you want to create a journal. Maybe you want to start your own company. It could be personal. Maybe you want to just wake up at six o'clock every day right? We'll pick one for personal, one per, for professional, right? So that's what you want to do. We have to figure out why you want to do it, right? Because if it's this impulse decision, you might change your mind down the road. But if you have this purpose, this ironclad purpose for what you want to do and why that's the case, um, then you have a little bit more structure. So we've got your story, 
the what you're doing, the why you're doing it. Who are you helping? Who is this for? Who's reading this? Who are you reaching out to? Who are the viewers? All of that, right? And then let's figure out how to do it. You have to create a plan. So if you notice, those are five points. This is before you even update anything, your website, nothing. You haven't created anything yet, right? So you're doing all these brain dumps. Once you have outlined every single thing, well, then let's dive into the brand kit. A good brand, and I use Target as an example a lot. Hmm. My four-year-old knew exactly what Target was when we drove by when he was like two, right? Because that was good branding. If he saw a, a bag, if he saw the sign, if he saw anything, he knew exactly what it was. Because no matter where you look, Target has the same exact logo, color, mission, vision, style, right? You want to create yourself as a Target, as a Nike, as a Walmart. People know what they're expecting when they come to you, hmm. right? So let's outline every single thing that people are going to expect. Then let's create a brand kit, right? Maybe there are colors that you like, fonts, make it look presentable, right? For, the, for your ideal client, for whoever it is that is viewing your content, and then we put it out there. Then we start updating all of your touch points, right? So we don't update anything until we streamline what it is, all of that, your brand brief, what it looks like, and then let's update everything. And then we launch and then we reach out to brands. And then we, you know, that's the last step just because you don't want to give everybody whiplash. You don't want to be a personal trainer one day and then a hairstylist the other day. Sure, you can, but you're going to confuse people from going one to the other without a, a smooth transition. How deep do you, how deep do you think about color fonts. I mean, how important are these to cohesiveness when it comes to your brand? Because when I look at, obviously, I don't know if it's, when I look at your feed and in Instagram, everything from lighting to color to fonts, all is pretty seamless and great brands come across like it's cohesive. Now it's not like you're using the same font or it's overproduced, but there must be a lot of thought that goes into it. Yeah. Thank you for that. And so there is a lot of thought in terms of the consistency of everything, whether it's your message or your coloring. Being consistent is huge. It's huge. It's with any goal, right? Fitness goal or professional goal, whatever it is, consistency is huge. So the color itself, I'll be honest, it's all personal preference. Yes. If you read into, you know, like McDonald's has the red and yellow because, you know, those make you hungry and all of that stuff. Sure. You can go into it thinking that way, but the idea is that understanding who you're speaking to, right? So if you were speaking to someone that is younger, maybe you have a little brighter colors. Maybe um, you know that millennials translate to quizzes more. So you have some quizzes on your, on your things, right? You just think about who you're speaking to, who's reading it, who are you contacting? All of that will tell you what colors, what style, what vibe you're going off. What's the tone and the language that you're using for your brand? All of that, you can't figure that out until you know who it is you're, you're speaking to. Who, is it, who are you for, right? Right. Makes sense. Makes sense. It makes sense to be able to look at it from the eyes of who your ideal client is and then reverse engineer it back that way. Yeah. And it's very much like, imagine if you're applying for a job and you have your resume and um, they tell you, this is like, 
in college, they teach you that you update your, your qualifications or your skills, you know, um, to match what that uh, job is looking for. Because quite literally, when you submit a resume, they have a, a software that scans your resume and pulls out content that is relevant for them. That's exactly how it is. When someone goes on your website you ha- or your Instagram or your LinkedIn, you have 10 seconds, 10 seconds to grab their attention. If it's not screaming out to them, hey, this is for you, they're gone. They're done. Right. And that goes again, client, brand, sponsor, whatever it is. So when you have that 10 second screenshot and that quick moment to hook someone back in, what's most important? Do you have bullet points in terms of how do you best hook someone or how would you grab someone's attention? Yeah. So the biggest thing is um, we try to be very fancy and we try to be very witty and creative. Tell them what they are getting. Tell them what they're getting themselves into. Who are you and what do you offer? Right? Very simple whether it's your power statement, whether it's a tagline, what is it, right? And, and that's the biggest thing. Imagine your website as, as a bunch of different pillars. That first pillar, that above the fold is the first thing they see, right? If, if it's uh, my, my power statement is I help women build uh, profitable brands and businesses using their personal story. If someone's reading that, right? and they don't want to share their personal story, they don't value personal story, I am not the right coach for them, right? So they know that immediately. If someone um, wants to create something outside of brand and business, I'm not, if, if it's fitness, I'm not the right person. They know immediately. So if it's anything that you take away, is your tagline and your power statement is everything. That is how you're going to catch them. Don't try to be all witty. Figure out exactly what you're doing and just say it. So if people want to redesign or kind of get into branding, what is kind of the first steps you would give someone? So we've got our story, we've got our super, like our our statement about who we are and someone's coming to the page. How should we think about content? Um, Or how do we think about putting out pieces that can maybe speak to that, that, that client that we want to attract or that person that we're trying to bring into our world? Yeah. So first, obviously think about what the offer is. What do you, what do you want them to do? Right. So um, do you want someone to connect with you on a more personal level? Do you want them to purchase a fitness program? Do you want them to purchase um, a a course, whatever it is, let's figure out what is it that we want them to do. Hmm. Now we have to take a step back and say, well, what content can I share that's going to portray that I'm an expert and that's going to portray that I am welcoming and able to help them, right? So yes, I'm an expert, but also you want to be able to welcome people in. You don't want to be standoffish. So with doing that, um, and this is something you know I started doing as a blogger, is creating days of the week where I'm talking about certain things, right? So I know that the days, my schedule is going to be crazy, right? Entrepreneurs, moms, dads, all of that, your schedule gets ahead of yourself. If you can plan ahead, that's huge. So in terms of of your question, I would first figure out again, what do you want them to do? What days of the week, week are you willing to post, right? Then let's break it down. So you want to talk about yourself a little bit, right? What's your story? What makes you an expert? Maybe there's another day where you're teaching them something right? Maybe it's a, Hey, look, this is the training that I've done. 
And then they're like, okay, well, I know you, you're really great. Now you've taught me something. So now you're an expert, right? And then maybe the third option is how can they sign up? How do people work with you? Do you have a program, right? Do you, do you work with brands? Do you have sponsored content? What is it that you do? So you break it down into little pieces and you can create buckets, whether it's three, four, five, or six different buckets of those you just have to do what's relevant for what you are offering. So the three main things is showing up as an expert, making sure you're um, reliable or uh, relatable, sorry. And then the last one is having them know how to sign up. Hmm. If you share all of this stuff, but no one knows how to work with you, you're not going to get anybody. So those are the three main things. I love it. I love it. I love how simply you break it down. There's so many deliverables here. Like there's so much that I think people can dive into and get into. I have like three pages of notes here. Um, if they do want to dive into your world, Marina, how do they best find you? Where are the best places that they can kind of enter your space and enter your world? Yeah. So marinaabraham.com is my website. They can find everything from my um, Instagram, my blog, my coaching, all of that. And do you want to tell people about kind of the course that you're in the midst of um, (laughs) and where they can find out more about it? Absolutely. So Brand Business Accelerator um, is built for women. I help them identify their brand, their business, all while using their personal story. Um, It's it's so much fun. It's a group course and they can find all that information also on marinaabraham.com. Applications start September 14th. We already have 30 people on the wait list, which is amazing. Oh amazing. Um, and then, uh, it's about, it's 90 days. So every 90 days there'll be another course. Um, but yeah, that's incredible. That's really incredible. Um, it's so great to kind of dive into the content. I have so much that I want to kind of go back through to learn from, but thank you so much for sharing your knowledge with us today. Um, I really appreciate the time and also just, just how darn like, together the brand and how it all looks in the journal everything like i'm so impressed marina so thank you so much for for being on today thank you so much it was an honor i'm so excited thank you again we'll catch you soon Thanks again. I hope you guys grabbed some great value out of today's conversation. If you want to further the conversation, I'd love to meet you personally. We've got a free Facebook community that you can dive into, free content, more resources, and I do lives every single week where I get a chance to interact with you and help coach you on exactly what you need. If you want to find it, you can find us at The Business of Feeling Good, or you can search the hashtag BOFG, and that's hashtag BOFG. If you like this episode, please share it. I'd love to hear from you. Your comments, your reviews truly mean so much to me. It's the lifeblood of what keeps me going. And it's how I craft the content that's better going to impact you. I look forward to seeing you guys on the next episode. Until then, cheers. Cheers.